Hey everyone, welcome to today's podcast. We're talking about minimizing the damage during Thanksgiving. Minimize the damage mode is something I came up with because so often we're all or nothing, right? With our, with our eating and how we're trying to lose weight. And when it comes to vacations and holidays, it's really hard to be all, right? We, we probably don't wanna be all. We don't be eating perfect during Thanksgiving. You know, what's the point? Um, so minimize the damage mode is where we want to go in. And this is an all or something strategy. Okay, so we may not be perfect um, with our reading, but we're going to be better than doing nothing. And this is really, really important because, again, when it comes to weight mastery, long-term weight success, not just losing weight, it's really all about the long-term strategies you have to deal with real-life situations. Um, oftentimes when people think about weight loss, it's just about, I'm gonna be perfect until I lose the weight. And so you think of it as a short-term thing where you can be perfect. But when we start expanding that time frame, we have to take into account vacations, holidays, special events, things like that. And so minimize the damage mode is really, really valuable because it allows us to still stay engaged with what we're doing. We may not be perfect with it, but we're still there. We're still showing up. And what ends up happening when you approach it that way is you start to develop a real deep sense of consistency. And I find this is probably one of the most missing factors with most people's weight loss is that there's no real consistency um, long-term. You know, there's starts and stops. And so what happens is people just keep repeating that initial part over and over and over again. So what happens when you start getting consistent is you start to open yourself up to a whole nother realm of weight loss and weight mastery ultimately. So minimize the damage is really simple, obviously, right? It's right in the name. It's just basically you're not eating perfect, but you're also not going crazy. Right. And again, this is very important because when it comes to losing weight, there's a specific uh, effect that, that's unique to dieters. And it's called the what the hell effect um, or the counter regulatory effect. And dieters are especially susceptible to this when you're really, really strict with your reading. As soon as they make a mistake, they tend to go way off the other side. OK, so there's this, this intense over. Um, reaction to making a mistake. So we want to avoid that. That's minimizing the damage mode where you know we may eat a couple cookies, but we don't have to eat all of them, right? So we want to avoid the binge. We want to avoid doing too much of it. And instead, we want to kind of keep it in the middle there. And that's a weird place for a lot of dieters to be. So again, we have to think of it as a certain mode so that you can practice it. And there's probably no better time to practice than Thanksgiving, you know? So um, anytime that you're faced with, again, vacation, holiday modes, parties, things like this, this minimizes the damage modes wonderful. And so simple ways to do this, right? Obviously, we don't want to eat perfectly, but we're going to say no to the excessive parts of it. Um, we're going to, you know, again, we'll eat three cookies. We don't want to eat seven, eight cookies, right? So it's that kind of thing. We want to reduce it down. Um, and you can reduce in a number of ways. You can, you know, choose the healthier option if you get the, the chance. Uh, you know, if you're going to eat some bread with butter, you put a little less butter than you could have, you know. So you're just looking for ways to make it a little bit better, to minimize the damage um, of, of all the calories and the, the food you're eating. And so this mode is helpful. And so the, f the other side, kind of the end point of minimizing the damage as well, is that you may also do other healthy things. So... Yeah, maybe, you know, you're, you're eating a bunch of cookies and, and sweets and, and carbs and all the rest of it um, during Thanksgiving, but you might intentionally go for a walk early in the morning. You know what I mean? Kind of counterbalance it. You might drink some water before you go. You might nourish yourself with a little bit of food and good nourishment before you, you know, go to wherever you're going to eat Thanksgiving. So, again, it's not just about cutting down and, and saying no to the, you know, the excessive, excessive part, um, but it's also doing something healthy as well to kind of counterbalance it. And then finally, at the end of it, I think it's good to have, like when you're done eating, 
I think it's good to kind of put a, a, a line in the sand uh, where you now go back to your healthier things. And again, a lot of times this won't be eating. It may be, you know, you finish Thanksgiving and now you make yourself go for a walk um, or, you know, you, you drink some water, you go to bed early, you do something healthy on the other side of it to say, okay, I enjoyed myself. That was fun. And now I'm back on track. Okay. And um, again, don't, don't be surprised as well. If you get in this minimize the damage mode here, um, it might linger a little longer than you expected, you know, especially when we get vacation holidays. We have this idea in our mind that we're going to get back on track day number one, Monday, be perfect again, but sometimes not so much. You know, we, we kind of get off track and it takes a little bit to get ourselves back to where we were. That's normal and natural. And this is the reentry period. Okay. And so as you start thinking these concepts of minimize the damaged reentry period, I think it gives you a better conceptual idea of how to, still be engaged in the game even when your eating's not perfect. That's what I want. That's the main point I'm making here is that you still want to stay in the game. You still want to think about your weight, your health, all the rest of it. Um, and be okay with the fact that we're not always just going to lose as a straight line. Sometimes we plateau out a little bit. Sometimes we put a little bit of weight on, you know, during this journey. And that's normal, natural, and completely fine. You can still get to your goal weight and maintain it. All right. So I hope this helps you out. And uh, I hope it allows you to have one of the most enjoyable Thanksgiving you've ever had. Uh, if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask them. We'll, uh, take a swing at anything you want. Thanksgiving. I know what a weird time I find it myself odd to talk about weight loss during Thanksgiving week holidays is always, um, it's not where a lot of people are at, you know? So again, that minimize the damage mode is important. Um, Steven says you carry a good message. Thanks, Steven. I, I appreciate you saying that. Um, that's the goal here, you know, is to kind of get you guys some new information when it comes to losing weight, um, that, that you don't always get, you know, cause I think, I always summarize it this way, that I think the weight loss industry is basically always telling you what to do and it's never kind of helping you or showing you how to get yourself to do it. And so I like to think that what I'm doing is unique in that sense that I'm giving you real genuine strategies to actually do what you know you should, you know, beyond just willpower. And usually what that means is thinking about things differently, changing the your mindset, changing the way you're approaching and thinking about food, exercise, your health, your weight, all of these things. Um, and as you start to change those, I think that's how you get the real changes you're looking for. I don't think there's any change at the end of the diet tunnel. You know, it, it's so rare that someone diets and ends up keeping that weight off for good. And I think a big part of that is because dieters never ever are focusing on changing their mindset. They're just focused on losing the weight. And so you, they're in the same mindset and they're just, strict with the eating and they're losing the weight, but it never, they never internalize it. it, never becomes them. And so again, what you want to do is you want to create a thin and healthy mindset. I believe, I think that's the secret to getting the results you're looking for, you know? And I think it's the secret to understanding why you haven't gotten the results yet, <laughs> to be honest. Um, it's not that you haven't, don't think about your weight. It's not that you don't, haven't tried a lot of things, but I can almost guarantee that you have never really approached as a mindset issue. And, uh, if you don't approach it as a mindset issue, I don't think you can really resolve it. I really don't. So, uh, yeah, that's um, that's what I'm always helping out, hopefully, with people with. But I'm certainly that's the message I'm bringing is um, to start looking at it that way. But yeah, even still, it is Thanksgiving, so you know I want to make clear that I think that I think this week especially is a great week to think in all or something terms. Right. This is the last week in the world you want to be all or nothing with your weight loss because you'll be nothing, <laughs> you know, and that nothingness can very easily turn into 
uh, six weeks of nothingness, you know, of doing, of just, I'll think about it on January 1st. You got to stop that, okay? And now's your chance to practice that. So I know the idea of doing a diet is probably unappealing during the holidays. And so it makes it the perfect opportunity to practice this all or something strategy I'm talking about where you're not perfect with your eating at all. You practice just being better with your eating. It's so easy. Like it is so easy to be better with your eating. It is so easy to start losing weight. <laughs> like I, I'm telling you. Um, and uh, you're just never thinking about it because you're always approaching your weight loss with these extreme ideas. So the idea of cutting sugar out or cutting carbs out for the holidays is unappealing for most people, right? The idea of drinking some more water, getting some rest, nourishing your body is much more appealing, you know, during the holidays. And uh, so that's what I kind of urge you to do is to really um, get yourself into this place where you're not all or nothing, you know, these drastic swings in your behavior. We want to kind of level your behavior out. That's the secret. That's the secret to showing up next Thanksgiving, you know, substantially closer to your goal weight, you know, and not only closer to your goal weight, but closer to your goal weight, knowing that the way you did it is, uh, my nose is so itchy, uh, is, is sustainable, you know, and that, that's something most people have never experienced. The idea that you would have a solid foundation underneath you <laughs> with your weight is probably one of the biggest differences for people when they use the program yourself then approach because it's a lifelong plan it's built it's it, it is your maintenance plan you know the entire program yourself then course is a maintenance plan we start with your maintenance because again the most obvious question that people just overlook is how long how long do you want to keep the weight off for right and i know the answer is forever but you're making these two phases in your mind of the weight loss phase and then the maintenance phase and the weight loss phase is drastic, you know? And the truth is you probably can't, when's the last time you even got to your goal weight, you know? So it's like now your weight loss plans are so intense, you don't want to do them. And so that's why you're avoiding it. And that intense plan is probably not going to be one that you're going to keep, um, keep up for long. So yeah, it's, but I don't know. But the other big thing, and I haven't talked about this too much, but the other big thing about Thanksgiving for a lot of people, again, it depends on the, on the person, the family, and all the rest of it, but the other piece is uh, dealing with family and dealing with people that you'll be around, you know? And so that's the other side of the coin is, to me, it's like, I don't care if you, if you overeat like crazy on Thanksgiving as long as you learn something from it. And one of the big things you can learn at Thanksgiving because it's a compressed day uh, is you can start to, there'll be a lot of triggers there all on one day, okay? Um, there'll be all the the very tempting uh, addictive foods will be there. There'll probably be people, relatives that, that kind of trigger you and get you kind of anxious and worked up and tense to some degree. Um, you know, that you might have a lot of, you might have to do a lot of preparing, you know, so maybe tired, you might have to travel, Okay. So anyways, there's other factors going on um, that it's fun to kind of look at them and learn how they impact you, you know, especially the stress, right? So if you're stressed out for whatever reason about Thanksgiving, I think it's important to notice that. What, what does the stress feel like? What triggers it? How does it feel? And what can you do to change it? You know, I, I think that's the key thing. Um, Bailey says, I've been rehearsing for days. LOL, I'm ready for every dig. Family is very predictable. Yes, absolutely. That's so true too, uh, Jody. That That's brilliant. Because that that's very true that 
I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll talk a little bit about kind of just feeling not the same spiel today with, with, with the weight loss thing. Let me talk a little bit about NLP, right? So that's a core, uh, what do you call it? I don't know, methodology that I, I use to help people lose weight. Um, so neurolinguistic programming, NLP. And so one of the things that we have kind of these commandments in a sense is what they are. They're presuppositions that we always have to tell ourselves to fight against our own biases. One of them is that if something's not working, do something different. And that's built on the idea that humans, we do what we did. Our brain is wired as such that as we go through experiences, our brain wires to deal with that experience and to anticipate it in the future. So anyways, when it comes to conversations with family and people in your lives, friends, family, your partners even, what you're going to notice a lot of times is these conversations run they're very, they're the same conversation. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. And uh, you can anticipate that, you know, because once you kind of realize that, you can kind of go a little bit meta of it. Where face to face, like if there's, a, if there's a person in your family you don't really like talking to, they kind of trigger you, they always say things that kind of get you upset. What you can kind of expect though is going in that situation is if you didn't do anything different, if you just kind of went in there on autopilot, you're probably just going to re- repeat that exact same conversation. You're going to get upset. You know what I mean? It's going to be literally, it's same for same. It's weird. Once you realize this and you'll do this with your partner, with your family, with your friends, sometimes you get in the same, it's, it's like a, like a looped conversation and you just push play and you both just do your parts and it's the same thing. Okay. There's a lot of this in life. Okay. So what we want to do is we don't want to go into the situation and Thanksgiving's like this. You have an idea of how Thanksgiving's going to go most likely. If you're going to the same place with the same people that you typically go, you're now already rehearsing that, that you're doing it subconsciously, you don't realize it, but you're already assuming a bunch of things that are going to happen. You're assuming someone's going to say something, you're going to get pissed off or irritated. You're assuming you're going to way overread, overdrive, whatever you're thinking, you're, you're already thinking that. And so what we want to do is we want to, um, we want to imagine Thanksgiving the way we want it to go, not the way it's gone in the past. You see, this is how the brain works, is that usually as we project into the future how we anticipate it to go, we're referencing the past. And the way that we're rehearsing the future is the way that we're going to live it in, in the moment. You know, so mo- what I'm saying is most of our lives on autopilot and especially a Thanksgiving, which is a repeated thing year to year. And so you go in, you anticipate it's going to be the same thing. You are basically programming yourself to be the same thing. And then you go in, it's the same thing. So the best way there is to change Thanksgiving or any future event is now. How are you thinking about it? And so Jody's talking about, well, I'm anticipating they're going to say this to me. And this time, instead of reacting to it the way I have for the last 10 years, I'm inten- instead I'm going to stay calm, relaxed. I'm going to say this to it, you see? And so before you even get in the situation, you're already rehearsing and, and strategizing better ways to deal with what you already know you're going to deal with. But very rarely do we do this because we just live our lives on autopilot. This really is the core of the Program Yourself Thin approach. The whole Program Yourself Thin program is really built on this Program Yourself Thin technique, which is really built on going meta, going above our normal perspective. We live life first person. We're kind of just going forward, just just moving through, doing what we did, almost on autopilot, like a robot. And so we need, I think, to regularly, daily, ideally, just separate ourselves from our normal point of view and look at things from a different perspective. So instead of walking into Thanksgiving and in the back of your mind, just anticipating how the whole day is going to go. And especially if, if it's going to be a great day, just leave it alone. 
if it's if it's like you're oh my jerk uncle's gonna be there my aunt's gonna be there she's a pain in the ass and she's gonna say things and she's gonna trigger me and i'm gonna eat everything and i'm gonna feel like shit i'm even mad if that's what you're thinking no stop stop let's change it now you can change how you respond because at this point now thanksgiving is just in your imagination it's not real yet right it only exists in your imagination and the last thanksgiving is not real anymore it just exists in your imagination so you can take control of these learn from the past thanksgiving project into the future one the way you anticipate it and imagine thanksgiving is the best version of you who do you want to be not who you've been who do you want to be and start practicing to start being the person you want to be within that context this is how you change behavior hypnotically very, very elegant, and it's a much easier, more fun way to do it. Um, SS time for me. I wonder what that SS stands for. Um, I'm trying to approach the holiday like I can have everything just in small portions instead. Yeah, exactly. You can, but again, you want to practice that because you've got, literally, you've got neural networks in your brain. Some are visual, auditory, motor cortex. You've got like motor cortex, let's talk, for example. You have a behavior network which is basically just a program um for you to overeat if you if you overeat at thanksgiving um i've certainly had that you know and it's a combination you have a bunch of different neural networks but they all work together for the ultimate you know outcome that you overeat or you go and you eat just a more, more perfect amount right but most of our behaviors just run on neural networks we already have so if you've never had a thanksgiving where you just were relaxed and calm and ate normally you don't have that neural network so the idea that you're just going to step into Thanksgiving and magically just eat perfectly is almost nil. However, what would happen if you imagine going into Thanksgiving, being relaxed, calm as the person you want to be, and imagine yourself eating all the food you would like to eat, but you just eat less smaller portions so that you get to the end of it and you're happier than you've ever been on a Thanksgiving because you enjoyed the food more than you ever did and you don't feel absolutely stuffed. And you sleep better tonight, you wake up tomorrow energized, you're proud of yourself, you feel good. And then you're now you're hitting the holidays in a totally different mindset. So I think you're I think you're right about that. Yeah, you can eat all the things you want. Which, by the way, that's all another thing too. Just there's a thing called sensory specific satiety. So you will get much fuller. You will feel much fuller eating one thing than you will if there's ten different types of foods. Okay. So Thanksgiving is like the buffet effect. Um, there is just by its nature, it's way easier to overeat because there's all different flavors of food, which causes us to, we, we can eat a lot more without feeling full. Just as a little, little science lesson there for you. Ah, that is Don. Yep. It's eat for pleasure week. Yeah, exactly. I would agree with that. It is eat for pleasure week. Um, again, I was just talking about th th this mode for me is holiday vacation mode. Special occasion mode is minimize the damage mode. You know, so you, you enjoy, you don't expect you're going to be perfect. You got to get out of the all or nothing mindset because that sets you up for wicked failure. Okay. That sets you up to, to fall right into the, what the hell effect unique to dieters where they over restrict. And then as soon as they make the littlest mistake, they go way off the reservation and way overeat. Okay. Get out of that mindset and practice it on Thanksgiving where you're able to walk into the situation, knowing you're not going to be on a fucking diet. <laughs> You know what I mean? Let it go. Eat the foods you like, but don't go crazy with them, okay? So we're not trying to be perfect, but we're also not trying to stuff ourselves silly. We want to exist in the middle. That's the sweet spot, you know? So yeah, if anyone has questions about that, feel free to ask them. I mean, I guess, you know, now watch just enjoy yourself too, but this is, um, I think this is the best way to enjoy your, uh, your, your Thanksgiving on a higher level. Tree Dunholm. 
don't know if I'm saying that right. Oh, that makes sense. It does make sense, right? You just never hear this approach. Um, OK1, Akoni, I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, hi, Jim. It's, it has already become a ritual for me to watch your lives. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. It's easier, too, because I always do them at noon now. It's been kind of nice. It's nice having that in there. What's up, Shireen? I usually eat great and healthy, then have five pieces of pie, et cetera. <laughs> great. I mean, I don't know. If you want to eat five pieces of pie, then then fine. You know, here here's what I'm trying to say. And I'm, I'll take this a step further. Because um, when you really get into the program yourself, then approach, um, so this is a little bit more for the people that are in the programs that they get on these lives all the time. But it, this is a good time to practice as well. Like the big, if, you, if your main motivation to lose weight is to enjoy food as much as you possibly can. I know that sounds weird, right? Because you're used to saying, well, if I'm going to lose weight, I, have to, I can enjoy food as much as I, I do, normally do, right? So you've got this, this belief in your head that losing weight means I can't enjoy food. So to ask the question, how can I enjoy food more than I ever have and lose weight uh, is it's, it, it breaks your brain, right? You don't have an answer for it and your brain just kind of shuts down, you know? Uh, so here's the secret though. How could you enjoy food the most? I will suggest the way you enjoy food the most is when you eat it at your goal weight, okay? And so we can't always, I don't see the goal of like always wanting to be on a diet or always be strict with our eating. That seems horrible to me. And so I think, again, when you're thinking about weight loss, perfections, that's that's it. That's how you're thinking. So when you think just weight loss, you think extreme plan, sticking to it strictly. Um, I'm talking about weight mastery. It's a much bigger picture. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking in time frames of years. I'm concerned whether you're going to be next year with your weight, right? And so when you take that into account, you expend that, extend that time frame, it makes going into Thanksgiving and saying, oh, you know what? My, my, all my cousins make these great pies. I'm going to eat five pieces of pie. Great. Go into it with the expectation to eat five pieces of pie. Enjoy that food as much as possible. And then you get back on track, you know? Now, again, it's a little harder in the beginning because you're on the body yet. And so you feel like, oh, here I go again. I'm just eating everything. But very rarely do people allow themselves to just eat what they want. They're always doing this kind of, you're always like driving with your foot, one foot on the gas, one foot on the brake. Uh, you're, you're always trying to stop yourself. You know what I mean? I know now it sounds like I'm saying a different thing because I was talking about minimizing the damage, but this is in a different context. Um, but I think sometimes you have to give yourself permission to eat the way you want to eat. Uh, in programming yourself, then just for example, and that's what, uh, Don was just referencing, we have a 5-2 model of eating. Five days of clean eating, two days of pleasure eating. We do this week in and week out. It's a philosophy. And so, um, Mandy, is that Mandy I see? Where have you been? You should get on the call today. I'm, I'm curious to see how you're doing. Um, so, yeah, very rarely do we just kind of give ourselves, that's why the 5-2 model is so important, to be able to look forward to pleasurable eating that we really look forward to is enormously important to, to actually stay on track with your eating. See, when you're always just trying to like, I got to eat perfect, I got to eat perfect, I got perfect. How's that working out for you? You know what I mean? Cut the shit. You got, you've got to be able to look forward to enjoying and eating food. In most diets, is okay, I can't have anything I enjoy for the next six months till I lose the weight. And you instantly feel this intense deprivation and you can't make it through a day. It's a lot easier to be able to say, okay, I'm going to eat clean for the next four or five days. And then on Saturday, I'm going to eat, eat a pie myself. I don't know, whatever. That would be a little, little much, but you get the idea. You need to be able to look forward to things. And it can't just be the weight loss in six months. It's too far. It's not motivating. You know. So again, you know, all of these foods is important. Don says, I make filet mignon for Thanksgiving. I rarely eat meat. If I do, I, I go big. Yeah, great job, Don. Again, you're making it a special occasion. 
It is a special occasion. Don't go into Thanksgiving with the brakes, the brakes on. You know what I mean? Like, like it's probably not going to work. Enjoy yourself. You know. Um, hope you all enjoy your Thanksgiving week. We don't have that in the UK. Yeah, thanks for your advice. Though. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, it's the same stuff. Just substitute Thanksgiving for holidays, vacation mode. It's the same thing. Um, and I know, again, like I'm saying, don't go into Thanksgiving with the brakes on, on, on one hand. And then the other, I'm saying minimize the damage. But the, the motivation's different, right? When you go in with the brakes on, it's kind of like, oh, I want to eat everything, but I can't eat anything. Like, I don't want you to go in that way. I want you to go in and say, I'm going to eat whatever I want. I'm going to enjoy the hell out of it. How can I get the most enjoyment out of it? The most enjoyment is usually not when you're so full you can't move, you know? You can, again, eat everything, but eat smaller portions of it. And then by the end of it, you've eaten everything, you've enjoyed it, and now at the end, you feel a lot better. Do you see what I'm saying? They're different, even though they may sound the same. That minimize the damage mode is crucial. You you need to have that, I think, some version of that for when it's holiday um, vacation, special occasion thing, you know. Shreen, love that I allow it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I know, Mandy, what's going on? I got so much to update you on. I can't wait to hear. Um, oh, you'll be on. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, eight o'clock UK time. Yeah, we get a lot of UK people. I love, I love, uh, I love my U- UK clients. Some of my favorites for sure. I even know the times in the UK now because <laughs> I get to work with a bunch of them. Yeah, it was one of my favorites for sure. So, yeah. But yeah, I know it feels like, <laughs> yeah, we love you. I know I, I do. The, the UK people for sure, for sure. I don't know. It's like, um, yeah, they're, they're definitely some of my favorites. I like the way they, they think about things. It's funny too. It's just funny. Like it's funny seeing different countries and cultures, food issues, you know, like, cause it's, it's very insightful. Like, like you learn a lot, um, cause they're different. You know what I mean? They're, they're similar, but different, you know? And it's, it's very interesting. Uh, I'm doing great. I am doing great. I was just thinking today, like I've kind of taken for granted now my foot's feeling better. And I've just, the last two and a half months have been, I just, the last three months have been very, I wouldn't say, yeah, they've been challenging, tiring, a lot, a lot. You know, there's been a lot of responsibilities, a lot. <laughs> so it's been, it's been pretty intense. And so I feel myself cooling down a little bit and um, I like it. It feels nice. So yeah, I'm doing great. Um, yeah, UK food is becoming bad. We're finding more U.S. restaurants coming here. Yeah, the U.S. U.S. is leading the world in this shit. It's 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 depressing, just like we did with the cigarettes. You know, cigarette and the, the food industry is the same industry, folks. Just so you all know, you know. Um, but you know, even cigarettes, we've done all this in in America. We we've done all this uh, education to to help educate people how bad cigarettes are and cigarette smoking has gone way down in the U S but it's gone way up in other parts of the world. So you just export that shit out to other people that don't have the money for the education campaigns. Oh, it's insidious. You know, these, these cigarette companies, but the cigarette companies and the food comes the same companies, folks. You know, I know you don't feel that way about your food companies, right? You know, no one likes the cigarette companies, but uh, everyone loves the food companies, but they're the same company. RGR Reynolds and Nabisco are literally merged. They're the same company. The parent company of Kraft is Philip Morris. You know, they literally went into the food industry, made the most addictive products possible, use the most aggressive marketing they can, and they sit on all the studies and confuse people. So they're not sure what the hell to do, you know, and they, they run the, the diets too. So they got you coming and going, they got your brain and pickled, you know, so you think like a dieter and you're just struggling all the time. But I don't want to get into that today. Today, I, I would keep it light. You know, it is kind of vacation week. I'm feeling that way. I feel myself uh, definitely in vacation-ish mode. And I welcome it this year because, like I said, 
it has been a, a challenging, it's been a great year, I would say for me, it's been a great, great year, but the last three months were hard and uh, challenging, you know? Oh yeah, yeah, good, good question, Mandy, right? So that, that's always a common thing. You know, our London is like Seattle. I, I don't know if you know Seattle, um, that's our London. And so it's the same thing there. It's a struggle sometimes. It's hard, all right? When the weather's, when the weather's shit, it's hard to get yourself to go out. So there's two ways to do this, okay? And um, it's funny you say this because I literally, I have, I have a, a private client I work with and she's in London. And so we just talked about this last week and I'm excited to talk to her. I talked to her tomorrow. I'm excited to see what she did. Um, uh, but what she, what, what the, so there's two ways to go about this, right? One is, you know, the exercising, you find indoor places to exercise, uh, obviously, right? Um, the easiest indoor place to exercise is your, your house, right? You don't even have to leave anywhere. You know, that's the easiest um, technically, right? It sounds the easiest. The hardest part with exercising at home is the mindset piece, right? But, but physically it's the easiest one because it's right there. Um, so you can find it exercises to do inside. Um, or step number two is you go out and spend some money on clothes that it doesn't matter what the weather is. You know, you've got the clothes that are, that are right for it. Um, you know, I can tell you like, um, I, yeah, I still think back to growing up, like growing up, I used to have these wool gloves, mittens. They weren't gloves. They were mittens and they were wool. And I always remember like the snow would get just like caked on them and my hand. I, I remember being a kid, just cold so much, you know, I'd just be outside. I didn't the equipment. They didn't have like fancy equipment then, you know, it was just like layers of stuff and, and I'd be cold. And, uh, I remember living in Boston even, I didn't, I, you know, I was broken. I was like, I didn't know, I didn't have the right equipment, you know? And, uh, Really, I think it was when I started snowboarding, which has been about 10 years, 15 years, somewhere in that ballpark. It's been about 10 years. But anyways, uh, I started getting like the right equipment and it's fun. You know, I feel like a, like an astronaut. You know what I mean? Like like I can be especially snowboarding. I mean, sometimes you're up on the top of the mountain. It's literally it's like zero degrees, 20 below zero wind chill. And, you know, it, and you're just up there and you're all warm and, and dry and, and comfortable. So it's cool. It's a cool feeling. But so there's stuff now that's so sweet, you know what I mean? Uh, in terms of clothing, uh, you know, in this way, it's getting you use stuff too. So if, if the money's an issue, but there's stuff like, you know, if it's wet a lot, if it's cold a lot, get the right stuff, get the right shoes, get the right stuff. So you can just go wherever. Um, I love walking. So it's like, I have that for walking. I upgraded my stuff yesterday because it's getting colder where I'm at now. So I take my dog for a walk every morning. I gotta have the right stuff. If you're feeling it's cold, see what happens for a lot of people, you have to imagine subconsciously in your mind, you always got like these barriers. So say like you don't exercise and you want to exercise. There's a barrier, right? To getting yourself to do it. And for a lot of people, the barrier is like this, right? Cause they're like, um, oh, I gotta go. I gotta go to the gym and work out every day for an hour, right? That's, that's a huge barrier and it's winter time. And I hate going there. I hate driving there. It's freezing out all the rest of it. That barrier is like this. So what we got to do initially with, again, the, the, one of the program yourself to mantras is consistency over intensity is we need to get this barrier way smaller, okay? And so the first thing, again, oh, I'm gonna work at home instead of going to the gym every day. Okay, well, that makes it easier. Um, you know, now I don't need to buy clothes. Now I don't need to get the, 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 the traffic, all the rest of it. But now I don't have the equipment. Okay, well, I gotta get the right equipment that I'm gonna do, you know, and that barrier is down. Um, I gotta do an hour every day. Ooh, that's a big barrier. Let me start with 10 minutes a day. Oh, okay, we'll put the barrier down. So we wanna make it, we wanna make it as easy as possible at first, because again, my question to you is if you're consistent with your exercising, you're not even going to talk to me probably because you already know what you're doing. But most likely when you're asking me, how can I exercise more? You're not exercising much. 
Okay. So cut this shit with, I know you want to start exercising an hour every day and get, you know, be all shredded and stuff by the end of the month, but probably not. Let's first focus on consistency. And then once you have your, your consistent workout, then we can start making it more intense. Right. But you're trying to do it all at once. So it's overwhelming. So yeah, when the weather's crappy out, the first thing I would do is I would come up with two or three options at your house that you can do no matter what. And I would have, um, I would have level one, two, and three. Level one might be I'll do 10 minutes of stretches or push-ups, whatever. Level two might be I'll do 15 minutes of you know calisthenics and you know, ride my exercise bike. Level three might be I'll do 45-minute exercise video. Um, I got, I'll lift my weights that I have, whatever. You see what I mean? But have three options for yourself, not just one perfect plan, but have some options and have that the simplest option be really, really simple so that you can start to develop that consistency because that's how you start to change how you think about yourself, okay? And um, that's really helpful. Um, what's up, Sweet Quest? Jay, how's it going? You say, being a tall, slim male is my excuse for a shopping addiction because clothes are made for my physique. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, being tall and slim, I, I, get, I, I, I don't know if I would be officially tall, but... Yeah, buying slim clothes, there's usually a lot of them. Because, <laughs> again, the most popular size is probably large, extra large. So I'd agree with that. Um, yeah. But I'll also say this, too. You know, here's just a little, I don't know, this isn't what you were saying, but I'll say this to everyone, that I think um, it's great, you know, even if you're not happy with your weight right now, I think one of the worst things you can do is be like, well, once I lose the weight, then I'll buy the clothes that make me feel good. And until then, I'll just wear the clothes that I feel like shit in. Bad, bad, bad idea is in my experience is what I've seen. Because what happens is you're just sending that same message that you feel like shit about yourself. So I have found very often that when people at the weight they're not happy with go out and buy an outfit that makes them feel better, better. See, again, once we get rid of all or nothing thinking and perfectionism, now all of a sudden we get in the real world of things being better than they are. Right. And so, yeah, you may not be thrilled that you're this size and this is where you're at right now, but you feel better. You got an outfit that fits right, looks good, makes you feel better. And that feeling better is what's usually going to trigger you to start making healthier food choices, start walking that path, as opposed to just feeling like shit about yourself. And I'm going to feel like shit until I get to my goal weight. Bad strategy. Because why do you think you're overeating in the first place? I'll give you a hint. It's because you feel like shit. <laughs> so stop trying to make yourself feel like shit to lose weight and start making yourself feel better. And sometimes that's going to buy an outfit that, that you feel better in. Um, they have walking videos on YouTube, walking in place. I know that. I know they do. And that's really a great strategy. You know, literally, they got like literally walking in, yeah, walking in place. Like you're saying, they got treadmill ones where you just walk on a path. I mean, there's a lot of options now. If you get creative and you start with the question, not what's the most intense exercise I can do that'll make me lose weight the fastest, cut this shit with that. Instead, if you're starting from scratch, let it be what's the easiest way? What is the easiest way that I can start to develop some consistency and start to move my body every day? When you go from zero exercising to 10 minute walking in place YouTube video, that's an enormous difference. You start to feel dramatically different. And, and then you can build up on it. Yeah, so that's a good point, right? Yeah, it is a good point. Toasted bagel cream cheese. My friend lost 80 pounds on Ozempic and kept it off even after getting off. How? Well, how long they've been off it? Because Ozempic hasn't even been around that long. So people say this stuff all the time and it drives me nuts. Um, you need to be more specific because... 
if they got off like a month ago and they kept the weight off, well, you don't even, you don't even know what their weight is. Um, it's only been a month, whatever. Has it been a year they've been off it? You know, that that's a different story. We're starting to know a different story. Um, you know, if it's two years, I'm impressed by that. You know, I really start to look at someone with a long-term strategy. When they start getting past a year up to two years, then I start thinking it's longer. Um, but how do they, how do they keep it up? I mean, Hey, listen, there's always outliers. There's going to be people that went on Ozempic, um, changed their reading and maintained it. There's always gonna be a couple of those. It will not be the majority. Ozempic, all those semaglutides are not a magic, um, solution. They're not a magic bullet, uh, for most people. They don't work for most people, first of all, um, for weight loss. Uh, for the people that do work, it's usually because they make you feel nauseous so you don't want to eat. And for most of those people, it's only going to work while they're taking the medicine. But again, there's always outliers. So without knowing more specifics, I couldn't even answer that. And who knows anyways, there's always outliers. Um, I've also started with vitamin D supplements for energy. Yeah, super, super. Um, love, walk at home. Walk at home by Leslie Samson. Yeah, Jody does that, right? You were mentioning that, Jody. I keep meaning to look that up too. I want to see that. And I got an idea for a program called uh, Walk Yourself Thin. Uh, which I I might do in December. But I got a new program I'm just about to record. The first five pounds. It's awesome. I'm excited about this one. So this is for all the people that are looking to get started. This is awesome. Um, Sophie says, I just jogged to the shops to get there before they close. Nice job, nice job. Yeah, it's a little bit of exercise. Um, Toasted Bagel Cream Cheese says a year. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I also don't believe everyone says things people say on social media. Just this is another one, folks. Don't believe everything you see on social media. Even toasted bagel and cream cheese, who I know a bit. I don't know the details of what you're saying. And you know what's like we get so discouraged so fast too with just different things we hear. Don't you find that, folks? Like you can just be coasting through your day feeling good about your weight and your health and your reading, and then you hear something new and it's like then you feel like total shit. Right? I th- that happens all the time with weight, especially because you're always hearing so much different stuff. And you're like, oh, I thought I was eating well. Oh, it turns out what I'm eating is completely wrong. I heard this one. I hope she's not here. I don't. I don't mean any offensive. If you're here and you know who I'm, if you're if you're that person, you'll know what I'm talking about. But it's like the idea of the carnivore thing. I thought I, I've reached peak dumbness um, with with the carnivore thing when I hear a doctor say, "Don't eat plants and vegetables because there's plant defense chemicals." You know what I mean? And it's like. You know, I said that, and even me, I'm like, whoa, no, plant defense chemicals come up. I've been poisoning myself all these years. Am I poisoning myself? You know, and then it's like, you know, you take a step back and you think about it and you look at it. And, you know, know, it's just people take, they'll zoom in on things, lectins. Beans got lectins and they'll kill them. They'll kill you. Yeah, well, you you cook them and the lectins go away. Do you know what I mean? They'll zoom in on stuff and they'll say things and they'll throw your brain onto a tizzy. So pay attention to that, though. A lot of times, I always pr- suggest people do this because your motivation and, and your your excitement and your inspiration it can drop at the drop of a hat. Like you can just hear something, see something, think something, boom, gone. You got to start to recognize that process. Pay attention to where you're at motivation wise and notice what what increases it, what decreases it. Um, are you in favor of intuitive eating? Um, I'm in favor of intuitive eating. Like yes and no. Let me explain what I mean. Like I'm I'm in in favor of me intuitive eating because I've got good intuitions now. I did not have good intuitions 30 years ago. So I would not have been uh, in favor of my following my intuitions 30 years ago because they were bad intuitions that made me overweight. Um, I have trained my intuitions now to be good. So what are intuitions? You know, I think that's really the, the big question. I look at intuitions as subconscious programming. What you subconsciously, you know, through your 
experience in life, basically, um, what you have learned about food, how you've eaten, what you've been exposed to. Um, now those have become your intuitions. And for most people, you've been exposed to hyperpalatable addictive foods, people that are overeaters and struggling with their weight. Uh, and now you intuitively, you know, eat in a way that keeps you overweight. So yes, the process of intuitive eating, I'm a big fan of, but you cannot trust, you your intuitions are that of an overweight person right now. And so you've got to retrain your intuitions. And that, that's what Program Yourself Then does. So I hope that makes sense. Why would I get, why would I get, Shin pain after walking? Is it because I've been injured and started walking again? Oh yeah, Carmel, that, that's exactly what I mean. That's why I'm a big fan. If you have not been exercising at all, please, good Lord, do not just go and join the gym in some exercise class um, or workout program or personal trainer. Your chances of injuring yourself are real high. Um, if you've had an injury, I did this, so I, so I broke my foot uh, and it wasn't even a bad break. Like there, it wasn't that painful. What ended up being more painful is I had to wear this kind of sandaly boot thing on my foot. It was, it was the heel was like this, the, the whole sole. And, uh, it threw off all my walking. And so all the muscles got all weird. So it wasn't the foot that hurt most of the time. It was more a pull muscle in my leg. Um, just everything's thrown off. I feel weird. My muscles are all weird. So if you've injured yourself and you're starting to walk again, there's, there's a normalization period to kind of getting back to where you were. And so I would expect that, yeah, you'll have some discomfort, little things kind of getting themselves back normal. I feel myself just starting to get back to normal now. It's been, I broke my foot the middle of August. And so here we are, August, September, September, October, October, November, three, three months. I'm just starting to feel back to normal and it wasn't even a bad break, you know? So, um, yeah, if you had an injury, yeah, I would say that. But so, so again, you go into it again, our expectations have such an important, impact on what we end up doing because if we expect oh, i'm going to walk i'm just going to start with walking it's real basic and simple and then we're hurting you know and i was like, oh my god but if we we say oh i've been injured my body's been all thrown off i'm going to start walking small distances to get my body back to normal and then i'll start increasing it and i'll pay attention to the shin pain so if i've got shin pain today i'm going to ease it up tomorrow and we ease into it yeah jody would love the walking program. i know the walking program is it's such a i know it's a good idea. i've been thinking this for a while and um, I finally got a plan for it. Um, um, new program for the first five. How will one get that content? Love your lessons. Well, you won't need it, Don, but uh, I'll. Uh, it'll probably just be in the the program area. Um, with intuitive eating, I worry because I'm afraid I'll undereat. Well, then you might not. You most people don't have to. <laughs> well, so I need more context because when you say that now, you kind of threw me off a little bit because. If um if you're overweight and you're worried if you intuitively eat you're gonna lose weight, I wouldn't worry about that. Unless there's more to the story here. But anyone that's struggling with their weight because they eat too much and they're thinking about intuitive eating, but they're worried that they're gonna intuitive eat and then eat too little, I don't I don't see that as a valid fear. I think you you will not that will not happen. But I might be missing part of the story here. Um that's a beautiful coffee cup, isn't it? Yeah, I love this thing. It's a, a left-handed one. My mom got it for me. Special, I love this thing. Special made. Thanks for noticing. I actually broke it. I dropped it. It was the worst day. I, I broke it, but I, I was able to fix it. You see that? Now I like it. It gives it more character. And thank God I broke it right there, so I don't drink out of that section anyways. But yeah, I love this thing. Only for left-handed people, though. Would you recommend gradually increasing number of days of exercise per week? Yeah, for sure. Just start slow. It's one of the hardest things for people to do. 
You know, it really is. It's, it's, it's hard, but it's the way, you know, and, and that's, that's one of the challenges we all have to face. We're all impatient. Um, and our brain, like when we do start small little things, our brain's like, oh, this doesn't even matter. This isn't doing anything. So our brain undervalues it. So it's hard to get motivated to do it. This is why you got to really fixate on consistency. And I give you, I mean, I, I do this myself and you're seeing it real time. People in my program, I talk about this sometimes, but, um, you know, I, I wanted to start doing more resistance training, start working on muscles a little more. And I've done it in the past and I did the same mistake everyone did. I jump in too much, do it for a little while. I hurt myself and I can't go. So this year, you know, it's been a couple of years. I hurt my shoulder years ago, three years ago, and I really haven't done anything. And I was getting so weak. I'm like, I got to do something. So well, I can tell you how, exactly how long it's been. It's been 32 weeks, 32 weeks. I said, okay, I've got to start doing something. I'll just start small, do push-ups. And so I have to use bars. If I do it on the floor, it hurts my shoulder. But if I do the bars, I'm okay. And so when I start, I'm not, this is what it was, is what it was. So I started the first time and I could barely do two push-ups. I, I'd gotten that week and my shoulder's a little off. I mean, it'd been three years of really not doing anything up here. So I, I, I really struggled to get five push-ups out. That's what I started with, five push-ups. I said, okay, I'm gonna do five push-ups Monday through Friday. And each week I'll add another one. That was the goal. And so here I sit in front of you at 37. You know what I mean? So Monday through Friday, 37 a day. And um, it's it's amazing. I'm not, I'm not jacked up. I'm not like, I'm all big and muscular. But I now have 32 weeks of consistently doing this exercising. And I have a plan moving forward. And then I added like kind of these uh, these kind of squats to it. You know, just some calisthenic stuff just to do it. Now I do yoga stuff at night, but this is um, more physical, you know. And so I think... That's my secret weapon, I'll tell you. You know, I really am a master of behavior. I really, really am. That's what I say my, my biggest skill is. And it's really all revolves around the idea. I call it, this is the strategy, the reduced to the ridiculous strategy, where you want to do something new. Right. So I was saying this before, right? Most of the time when someone wants to do something new, there's this huge barrier to go from where they're at to where they want to be. And they do this with eating, they do it with exercise, and they do it with pretty much everything. Um, I'm going to go from not thinking about my eating to tomorrow, no carbs, no sugar, 1200 calories, not eating for 16 hours, whatever, some big giant thing. I haven't worked out in 20 years. Tomorrow, I'm going to start working out uh, three, four times a week for an hour. You know what I mean? It's always this huge giant thing. But the real secret is reduced it down to the ridiculous so it's easy to do consistently, consistently. Because consistency is more important than intensity. Who gives a shit? If you go to the gym four times for an hour and then never go again, as opposed to a person who goes twice a week for 20 minutes for a year. Do you, you know what I'm saying? So when you start thinking longer term, that, that's exactly the way to go about it. Carmel says, thank you so much. Glad you're feeling much better too after injury. Thank you. Yeah, it's um, it's taking a while, but now I feel good. And I knew this, again, This I'll, I'll just share this with you real quick. Because again, another strategy we use in the program a lot is utilization. And this is the greatest thing in the world. This is really something I learned from Milton Erickson, one of the most famous hypnotists of all time. But the idea is that no matter what presents itself, we utilize it for our benefit. And so I knew the second I broke my foot, I knew I broke it. Uh, and I was like, shit. And I was freaking out a bit. So I'm not going to sit here and just, you know, if those of you that have been with me, I talked about it while I was going through it. But it was it was hard. I knew it was going to throw me off now. I was coaching soccer. I wasn't going to be able to play soccer the way I wanted to. And I was just bummed about a lot of things. Um, however, I reframed a lot of it. So I set my expectations. I knew I had to downgrade what I was going to do because I had a lot of things planned. I had to let those go. Um, I knew this was going to knock me off course. I knew it was going to impact on my eating. 
So I reframed my expectations. But then I also in the back of my head said, this is also going to be a great time to really double down on how I feel physically because I'm going to feel like shit for a couple months here. I knew my foot was going to be sore and I knew my body was going to be out of alignment. I knew I wasn't going to be stretching as much and I couldn't sit cross-legged anymore. And my legs got really tight. So at the end of, uh, I got to take the cast off and all the rest of it maybe about eight weeks in. So it's been about four weeks. But after those eight weeks, I couldn't sit cross-legged at all. I'd lost all my flexibility on my left leg anyways. And um, so I had to build it back up and that sucked and it was uncomfortable and it hurt. But in the back of my mind, I said, yeah, but you're going to get good quick at this because I've been doing it and you're going to get to go through and experience what someone who's new to yoga would go through, the discomfort, the pain and the ultimate overcoming of that. And I did. And um, it, it just reinforced that whole thing that a lot of times when I do something new, it's difficult and it's hard, but so what? You just keep going. You break it down into small pieces and you just keep going. That's the most important piece. And now here I am. Now I sit and cross legged back to, I'd say about 80% of where it was before the injury. And that's fine. Again, I'm not in a rush. That's the, that's my superpower now. That was not my superpower in the beginning, but that's the biggest superpower out of all of them is to be more patient and calm. That will help you master your weight more than anything else is being more calm and patient about the process. Um, Anyways, I'm left-handed, yes. <laughs> Lefties. All right, Tavi's left-handed too. Johnny King, I lost 80 pounds. Feel better than ever. I bet, I bet. Of course. How could you not feel better losing 80 pounds? That's a piece of the puzzle too. Now, this is a tricky one for me because it's like if I start going into the pain of being overweight, people don't want to hear that, you know? But on the same hand, that's a great way to make a decision to actually change this. But you can't stay there, right? So I like to say that, that pain's good for making a decision to change and pleasure's good for carrying that decision out. It's not good to stay in a state of pain and expect we're going to be in this pain state all the way to our goal. Um, we want to recognize the pain of the situation and then focus on the pleasure. But part of the pain, folks, is you've habituated to the weight. You know, So I don't know how much weight you want to lose. You could think about that number right now. You could write it in the comments if you want. How much weight would you like to lose? How far away are you from your goal weight? And what you can do to really internalize that, because you've habituated to that, you now... Um, you just think of yourself at that weight. So you, you, I always say like, like you, you feel the weight of the pain, the, the pain of the weight. I get that. But you, you experience the pain like it's a heavy backpack full of bricks. So you feel it, you're, you're trudging along. Oh, it's a tire. I don't like it. You, you feel the pain. I know you do, but you feel it in a chronic dull way and you've kind of just gotten used to it. If you make that pain that you're feeling, that chronic pain acute, like the sharp point of a knife, then you, you do something. You respond to it. So we need to find a way to turn that pain you're feeling from the weight from something chronic and kind of dull to something sharp and that's going to get you to take action. One way to do that, just kind of interesting way, is however which weight you want to lose, go to the, the pet food store and get a, a dog food bag that weighs that much or close to it and hold it in your arms for a minute and feel how much effort it takes to carry that extra weight around. You, you, you've taken it for granted. Think about how that's impacting your insides, your joints, the weight on the on the knee joints, on the hip joints, you know, the ankle joints, on your feet. It's a lot, you know, and if it's not yet, it's going to decrease the quality of your life. You know, it's going to make you feel more uncomfortable. It's going to create mobility issues eventually. Um, it could create, you know, obviously diabetes issues, heart issues, 
um, potential cancer issues, uh, low stamina. So fatigue. I mean, there's just so many things going on. Again, I don't like to go into it because people get all bummed out. You don't want to hear that. But on the same hand, we got to look at what's really going on. We live in a culture, there's so much money being made off of you being overweight, unhealthy, and unhappy that you're constantly getting messages to minimize the effects of the weight on you physically, mentally, and emotionally, and to just focus on the pleasure of the food or the behavior. But you've got to remind yourself, Jesus Christ, this is my life. This is my lifespan. How long am I going to live? One of the main factors of how long you're going to live is dictated by what you're consistently putting in your mouth, what you're, what weight you're walking around at, your level of health. So the, your, your longevity and your quality of life while you're alive one of the main drivers of those is what you're constantly putting in your mouth and your weight, you know? And so we have to see it for what it is sometimes because, I don't know, like, like it's not just about looking better in a bathing suit. You know, you've got to have more motivation than that. It ain't hard to get. You know, your whole life's at stake. But Johnny King, great job. That's awesome. Carmel says, I'll walk every other day and build up my time gradually. Carmel, I'm so proud of you. But here's what I would do. I would walk every other day and build up your time more gradually. But then I would use that. I would, what I would do, I call this a habit container. Okay. And so what we want to do, your brain, see, this is a whole program of self thin. This is about being strategic. So I'm, I'm, this is good. I'll give you a specific example of what I'm talking about. Cause what usually people do, I got to walk every day. And now Carmel's saying, well, I walk every day. My, my legs are hurt. And so I'm going to walk every other day. Eey. Walking every other day is going to be hard. I'll tell you why you'll walk the first day. The chances of walking that, the, the third day, the day after, ooh, that gets harder because it's harder to remember it because it's a new behavior. What I would rather do is when do you want to walk? Let's just say six in the morning. That's my perfect time. Seven at night. Doesn't matter. Pick a time and dedicate that time to walking or stretching so that you're always doing something at that time that's related to you exercising, feeling better. Okay. And keep it simple. And one day you walk, one day you stretch, one day you walk, one day you stretch. And that way there, you're getting a consistent thread of doing something. Right. But, but great job. That That's smart thing at Carmel to, to deal with the situation at hand. Right. My attempts at intuitive eating have resulted in mainly convenience food and little nutritious food. Yeah, of course. You, folks, you can't intuitive eat. If, you, if you're overweight, your intuitions are that of an overweight person. You, you're, you're, intuitions are always that of whatever weight you're at. My intuitions are my weight. If you're overweight, you have overweight intuitions. It's, it's not a judgment. It's just a facts of the matter. We always, we all eat intuitively, right? The question is, what are your intuitions? So let me put it a different way. I, I explain this a lot. I'll just use different words for this one here. So most people are walking around that want to lose weight. You've got your overweight mindset and your diet mindset. Your overweight mindset is your intuitions. It's your, like when you're not focusing on food or losing weight or exercising, you're just living your life and you're just eating and living, whatever, you're overweight. That's because your intuitions, your subconscious programming, the way you eat, what you eat, when you eat is all automatic. When you go on a diet, you say, okay, and you fight against all those intuitions. I'm not going to do that. No, we're not doing that. We're on a diet. No, 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 no. That's why it feels like you're always fighting yourself and you're trying to lose weight because you literally are. Now, the problem here is that even in the best case scenario, you diet yourself down to your goal weight, problems still exist. You've got an overweight mindset, a diet mindset. Can't keep dieting. You don't want to go back to overweight. You're stuck. And what most people do, what do they do? They go back to being overweight, put the weight back on, and then they go back to dieting. Back to overweight, put the diet. That's the best case scenario. Eventually what happens, though, you can only do that so many times. 
Excuse me. You can only do that so many times. Eventually, what happens when you lose the weight, put it back on, lose the weight, put it back on. Eventually, you say, shit, I, I don't want to lose the weight. What's the point? And then you get apathetic. That's probably where you're at. That's where most of my clients are, are at. They think about weight loss 24 hours a day. They can't get themselves started on a plan to do something to lose it. And so how, what's the difference? Well, programming yourself thin is unique because it's not about this overweight mindset, diet mindset. It's about creating a thin and healthy mindset. That's what you need. You need to create a thin, healthy mindset so that you intuitively, automatically, naturally do the things that keep you at your goal weight. What a difference, though. You see? So you can't just have this, these two mindsets. You've got to develop a new mindset. Um, I really want to stop eating junk food because I feel like I have an addiction and it's not helping me. Um, should I completely stop or what strategy do you suggest? Uh, when it comes to junk food, first thing I would suggest, same thing, sugar, carbs, anything that you want to stop eating, right? So I'm going to break down what you said linguistically here, okay? I really want to stop eating junk food, okay? Because um, I feel like I have an addiction. It's not helping me, okay? But I really want to stop eating junk food implies that you really want to eat it, right? So you want to stop yourself, but the core remains that you want to eat it. Subconsciously, you associate eating junk food as pleasure. Not eating is pain. And so you want to eat it. Now, you wish it didn't feel that way. See, but what you're doing, Tabby, is you're going, well, I'm going to back it up here a little bit. You have to understand you have two minds, right? you got a conscious mind and a subconscious mind. Your conscious mind is your prefrontal cortex. This is a part of your brain that knows what you should do to lose weight, why you should lose weight, and tries to get you to do it. This is where your willpower is. Your subconscious mind is the part of your mind that runs all your habitual thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. This is where your eating behaviors are. These are where your thoughts and your perceptions and your beliefs about junk food exist. And we know for a fact that the way you think about junk food creates strong cravings for it. So I'm sitting here telling you, I used to eat tons of junk food. I don't eat junk food a lot because I don't want to eat it. I'm not good at stopping myself from eating it. I don't want to eat it. So you see the difference? What your question is saying is, I love junk food. I need to have a lot of willpower to stop myself from eating it. And this is how most people approach weight loss. You're using your conscious mind, your willpower to fight against your subconscious behaviors. So we go back to what I was just saying about your overweight mindset, your diet mindset. Your overweight mindset is your subconscious mind. It's what you naturally automatically think and behave and do. And your conscious mind is your diet mind where you're trying to force yourself not to act that way. And what it feels like, it's like if you woke up tomorrow and said, you know what, I'm going to use my phone, my computer mouse, and my, I'm going to brush my teeth with my other hand, right? So if you tried doing that, you could do it, but it would take lots of focus, concentration, and energy. It's not automatic. And so you could do it, but you would very quickly get annoyed and irritated because it was taking so much extra energy. And that's what dieting feels like to you. So we want to go deeper level. We don't want I really want to stop eating junk food. I want to stop myself from, from loving it and eating it. And so in Program Yourself, then we say, let's go to how you're thinking about junk food. Because what if when you thought about junk food, you felt indifferent or you felt a mild disgust for it? I don't want that, you know? Because for example, if you're probably a non-smoker, you're not a non-smoker because you're fighting off cigarette cravings all day. You're a non-smoker because you don't have any cravings for cigarettes because the way you think about cigarettes is they're gross to you. You don't want them. There's no desire for it. So you can think about cigarettes all day and the desire doesn't go up at all. 
Now, I mean, the more you think about junk food, though, the higher your desire goes. So it's not enough to just stop yourself when you have cravings for them. Let's go to the source and change the way you're thinking about junk food. All right. So how do you do that? Well, I mean, that's what my program is. But what's an easy way? I'll give you one simple way, a, a simple way of programming yourself without going into with program yourself. Then we use the program yourself then technique to do exactly this, to change the way you perceive these foods in a very, very powerful way. But I'll give you a, an easy example without having to understand any of that um, is you could go to you could watch a documentary on junk food. You could look up some YouTube videos on what junk food is because you think about junk food as the marketing and the anticipation, the pleasure you get out of it. You don't think about the consequence of what it's doing to your body. And so if you watch a documentary about what goes on when I eat junk food, what does it do to my body? You're going to start to think about that junk food differently. And I can almost guarantee you for a couple days, at least after watching those videos, you'll have less desire for that junk food. But I hope this makes sense. It's not probably the answer you wanted, but it's, it explains the process that's going to get you where you want to go. I hope that helps you out. Um, how'd you break your foot? I was playing basketball with my son and I tripped on him. He's a wiry little guy and he's very trippable. On <laughs> 20 kilograms is what I'd like to lose. All right, yeah, so 20 kilograms. Um, yeah, so what was I saying? Now I don't remember what I was saying about the weight. I was saying how much you guys wanted to lose. I don't remember. I'll have to leave it. Um I'm overweight, but when I intuitively eat, I find I'm not hungry a lot, so I worry about undereating. Parsons, I would not worry about that. I would not worry about that at all. I would experiment with it, and if you start getting close to undereating, and, and undereating is not a problem until you're underweight, okay? But if you start, if you get to your, your goal weight and you're still undereating and now you're worried, you talk to me, okay? I got you. I'll, I'll help you out with that, all right? Um, but I would not, that, that's, but thank you for writing this because I can't tell you folks that the main thing stopping you from losing weight is, is kind of silly fears. No offense, Pars. I'm not saying your, your fear is silly. Um, but we have these silly, not, not even, not even silly necessarily, but with fears, let's say that. Okay. So, so let's strike silly. I didn't mean that. Um, but we have fears that aren't necessarily true. Some that, that are maybe true. You know, a woman might say, I want to lose weight more than anything in the world. But back of her head, she said, I don't want to lose weight because if I lose weight, I'm going to get more attention from men. I don't want that. I'm going to feel it more insecure. I don't want that. Um, I would intuitive eat and I'd lose all the weight, but then I'm worried that I'm going to under eat and I'll, I'll make myself sick. Uh, I would not worry about that. Get to your goal weight and then let's talk about it. Okay, I'm, I'm on here every day, 12 o'clock. Come, come shoot me a thing. Um, I think you're quickly going to find that that's a fear that that is, there's a great, I, I was like, like fear, I mean, it says in sales, but um, false evidence appearing real. Okay, that, that that's not, that's not a real thing, Parson. I don't think you have to worry about it. If you do, please get on here because I'd be fascinated by that. But I don't think you have to worry about it. Um, toast the bagel with cream cheese. The more I listen, the more it's making sense. All right. That's what I like to hear. Um, Naya says, is it better to eat when you're hungry or right when you feel hungry? Now, that's a great question. And I'm going to give you an answer that may not be right or popular. But my core philosophy of of programming yourself, there's no right or wrong. There's only what works for you. Me, so now, now, do I, am I an intuitive eater? I have better intuitions, but I still don't rely on my intuitions. I structure my eating. Oh, you should eat when you're, I, I don't know. Hey, we all get to do what we want to do. I have found that what works for me best is when I structure my eating. I know what I'm going to eat. 
And that has allowed me to know that if I eat this for breakfast, I'm going to be fine until noon. If I eat this for lunch, I know I'm going to be fine until dinner. And so there's, there's a sense of calm in me because I know the way I'm eating, I'm, I'm fine, I'm, I'm satisfied, I'm comfortable, I'm feeling good. So I eat pretty much more uh, pattern-oriented. I don't really listen to my hunger, you know? Now, I have listened to my hunger and I figured out the strategy, okay? So um, again, I, I can't tell you this is the right, the right answer. A nutritionist might be freaking out if I say this, I don't know. But for me personally, I find it really helpful to eat at regular times. My eating's very structured. And because it's so structured, it's very just automated. It's very automatic. I don't have to think about it. I just rely on my intuitions and my, my habits and routines um, in order to live at my goal weight. So I think if you get very hungry, though, so, so don't get very hungry. I will tell you that. Um, and program yourself down. We're always managing our hunger. Which, by the way, folks, if you have not yet, uh, go to my bio, click the link, get the hypnosis session I give you, and watch the training I give you. It's all free. Okay, and I email you every day, so I'll help you out. But don't let yourself get very hungry. If you get very hungry, most likely you will eat a very large amount of food. Most likely, all right? It's very hard to control our eating when we're really hungry. So um, yeah, manage your hunger, and, and as you start to get hungry, then you want to eat as well to figure that out. Um, Carmel says, so I now try to limit junk food. Yeah, don't try though. Try is a, a word that implies failure. What's up, Karen? Um, Limit that junk food. But don't limit it. Here's the thing, right? So even the languaging. Languaging is very important because, you know, your subconscious mind is very literal. So in, in some ways, like when I say program yourself, then there, there is an allusion to like computer programming because with computer programming, they have a concept called GIGO, garbage in, garbage out. And so the words you use and the way you frame things are very, very important with how your subconscious mind interprets them. And so when we say things like, so now I'm going to try and limit junk food, that's a bad way to phrase that, right? First of all, try implies failure. If I try, if I tell you I tried to close the door, is it open or closed, right? It's open. And so try implies failure. Um, but the other thing is that, oh, I'm going to try not to overeat junk food, right? So now we're imagining overeat junk food. And again, the, the core association remains that I love junk food. I'm going to try and stop myself. That's not how we want to do it. We either want to do something or we don't. Now I get it. At the beginning, you say, oh, I love junk food. I got to work to, to stop it. Well, why? So I would start to say, again, I would look up junk food. Why do you even want to stop it? Because you don't want to stop it. Right now, if you eat a lot of junk food, you don't want to stop eating junk food. You, you, you logically know you shouldn't eat junk food, but that's not what we're talking about. Subconsciously, you want to eat junk food. You either want to do it or you don't. It's simple. And you can look at your behavior to, to figure that out. It's not, this isn't a you know, math question. This is very obvious. You look at what you do. You do what you want to do. If you eat a lot of junk food, it's because you want to eat a lot of junk food. Don't, don't make this complicated, you know? And so if you eat a lot of junk food, it's because you want to eat a lot of junk food. So the question is not how do I stop myself from, st how do I stop myself from loving junk food but don't eat it? That's a shitty question. We want to start to ask, how do I want to eat junk food? I don't know. Well, I don't think I should eat much of it. Why not? I don't know. I think it's bad for me. What's bad about it? Um, I don't know. It's bad stuff in it. What's bad about it? Why is it bad? You see what I mean? What I'm trying to point out is that you have no internal representations of why it's bad. So if you're a non-smoker and I say, well, what, do, you, do you try to stop yourself from eating smoking cigarettes? No, I just, I just don't smoke. Well, how do you get yourself to not smoke them? Well, I don't want to smoke them. What do you mean you don't want to smoke them? Don't, don't you want to smoke them? 
No, I don't want to smoke them. They're gross. And so the images in your mind in your mind when you think about cigarettes, and if you're a smoker, you don't you do you want to try to stop yourself from doing heroin? No, I don't want to do heroin. Why not? Because I don't want that effect. I don't want that outcome. The images you're making when you think about smoking hard drugs are negative. And so when you think about doing those things, your cravings don't go up because you're thinking shitty things about it. When you think about junk food, your cravings are going through the roof because the way you're thinking about the junk food is focusing you in a way that makes the cravings go up. You're thinking about, again, the anticipation, the excitement, the getting it, the eating it, right? The looking forward to it. And it's driving your cravings through the roof. I, my cravings don't jump through the roof when I think of junk food because I think about what it's made out of. I think about these shitty companies just like the cigarette companies trying to ruin our health. I think about what that food does as soon as it gets my body, specifically. Spiking my blood sugar, crashing it, insulin th- flooding my body, inflaming myself, throwing my body on this wild goose chase trying to get myself back to a normal place, starting to crave junk food, putting extra weight on me, making my energy tired in a little while. I have real visceral responses to what I think about junk food, but I think about... In my mind, you ask junk food, I'm lighting up. I have a completely different representation of what junk food means to me than you. And that is a big part of the programming. So I'm not fighting against cravings for junk food. You are. And so as long as you're fighting against these cravings, you're never going to get long-term results. You've got to change the way you think about them. I hope that makes sense. I'm trying to pack a lot into a little. That's what I try to tell you to, to all... Go to my bio and click that link and get the hypnosis session because it's the hypnosis session is great, but it's really it's the training. It's the training um, that I would watch, you know, because it gives you a whole different way to approach this. What's up, Bazra? How do you know when you're full and when to stop? Um, I mean, again, that just takes trial and error. You don't know. I'll be honest. You don't know. I can almost guarantee you, if you're struggling with your weight, you don't even know what it's like to have just enough food. You're used to your stop sign is when you're stuffed. You know, most people, their stop sign for that they've trained themselves to have is when they're absolutely stuffed with food. We want to get to the point where we can eat, we nourish ourselves, and we're done. And you don't even know what that feels like, most likely. And so it takes awareness. So I can't tell you. I'll tell you the process. You get to figure it out, which is you pay attention. After you finish eating, sit with yourself for 30 seconds and notice how you feel physically, mentally, emotionally. And then start basing it on that. Ah, I don't feel good. That's what I did. Holy shit, I feel, I feel like shit. That's what I felt like years after eating dinner. I feel like, shit, I'm full. I'm so full. I'm full. I'm full. I don't like this. I don't like this. And I just really, you know, eat less and less. Do you struggle with nighttime cravings? I did. That was my worst habit. I used to eat every night. Every night I'd snack until bed. And that was the first thing I got a handle on. But now I'm 30 years into it. So now I don't. Again, I've trained myself, a conditional program myself. I don't eat at night. I stop eating six, seven o'clock at night. And that's it. I'll eat the next morning. So I get it. I, that's usually most people's worst habit. And um, it's a struggle. Yeah, it, it's hard if you, to be honest, that's why I really came up with the redo rehearsal technique that we use in the program. You know, it was, it was that piece. But um, yeah, but I, so I don't anymore. That's what I'm trying to say. Again, it's, it's when you know how to program your subconscious mind, you can change the whole reality you're living in. Um, I did not make forward progress until I scheduled my eating. Thanks for this. Yeah, scheduling your eating, I think, is crucial. That's the one thing you always hear me say there's no right or wrong. There's only what works for you when it comes to your weight loss. The one exception I think is scheduling your meals. You, I think you've got to do it. You know, if you just try to eat intuitively from the get go, you're, you're, I, if I try to eat intuitively now, I would be, I don't think I would do well. I really don't because all of a sudden, I don't know what you just listen to your body. You're always hungry. That's what I find. If I just, if I just like don't know what I'm going to eat, I'm just going to wake up during the day. I'm going to eat. And this is me. I've been doing this for 30 years. 
I'm always hungry. I can always be hungry. Do you know what I mean? Like I can, I can always eat. You put a donut in front of me. Oh yeah, I guess I could eat a little more. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so as soon as you like, if you keep the door open so I can eat, you're always going to be like, there's always tempting addictive foods around us, you know? So it's like, you've got to constrain things a bit in order to fix them. And I think structure your eating is, is crucial. I just really do, you know? Yeah, Jody says the same thing. Again, these two people successful their weight. You're going to see all of us that are successful their weight, whether in the program or not, we're always saying the same things. It's it's not, I don't want to say it's not hard to lose weight, like, but it's simple. And you're sitting there spinning your wheels trying to find the perfect plan. And it's like everyone that successfully does it says the same thing. And it's not rocket science. It's just, it's not dieting. You know what I mean? So that's the hard part. You got to kind of let go of what you've learned. Um, Carmel says, wow, that's mind blowing. I never thought about my words being self-limiting. Yeah. Oh, you're, we're low. <laughs> listen, folks, if you want to know why you weigh what you weigh, you are choosing your weight. You are choosing it. Your, your, phys- your weight is a physical projection of your mental self. You're, you're, the way you are your own best or worst hypnotist because you're in your head talking to yourself 24 hours a day. This is what Program Yourself is all about, is teaching you how to change what you're saying to yourself. Because you are saying things to yourself that are keeping you overweight, that are limiting you. And, and they're not real. They just feel real because you're just saying to yourself and you're buying into it. So yeah, change what you're thinking and saying to yourself and you will change your weight. Um, Parsons says, I looked into intuitive eating rather than just eating better because with just eating better, I focus on the scale. Um, yeah, I get that, Parsons. Listen, go make sure you watch the training because yeah, you're you're lost at sea right now. You've got um, you got you got like these vague ideas and you don't have a direction to go in. Which everyone, listen, folks, this is all of you. If you're not actively losing weight right now, it's because you do not have a good weight loss plan. Don't tell me, don't tell me you've got a great weight loss plan if you're not doing it. I've got a great weight loss plan and I do it all the time. Okay. So don't give me that shit. If you're not doing your weight loss plan and haven't been doing it, it's because it's a shitty plan. All right. And a shitty plan is there's a number of reasons it could be shitty plan. It's too extreme. You're unclear about what to do. You think if you do it, it's going to be bad for you. Right. So we see this with Parsons. She says, well, I can't, I can't, um, just eat better because then I just focus on the scale and that's bad. Uh, and then I'm worried about if I intuitive eat, then I'm going to under eat and, and I don't know, that's going to be bad for me. You see? And so a confused mind is a stuck mind. A confused mind just stays in the same spot. You see? So watch my training though. It'll s- strengthen some of those things up, solidify some things. Because right now, Parsons, you're just, you're just totally amorphous. You're, you're just like ambiguous about what to do. And that ambiguity is going to cause you to do nothing. And that goes for everyone out there. If you don't have a clear plan, again, you're in one of two spots. You either have a clear plan and you don't want to do it. Well, that's a shitty plan. Or you don't really have a good idea what to do. You just have a vague idea. Oh, I got to stop eating carbs. Oh, I got to start eating intuitively. What does that mean? You know? And so it's not clear. So you have a shitty plan that you don't want to do, or you have a ambiguous plan that is unclear. And that's a shitty plan too. You know, you got to get clear. Um, Tabby says magnesium chloride has helped me with night anxiety cravings. Good. What's up, Francis? Sweet quest. What is a good mantra to tell yourself over and over? Um, well, what is a good mantra? Program yourself then. So awesome. But one of the big things what, what that you get with the program is uh, there's uh, it's eight weeks. 
eight weeks of hypnosis sessions. Every morning you get a five minute hypnosis session. Each session's different. So you get to build up this consistency without getting boring. And each session has a different weight loss mantra in it. And then at night there's sleep gnosis sessions, which you listen to and those have core weight loss mantras. So in total you get like 65 um, mantras, you know, into your mind. Uh, what's the big one though? My, my favorite weight loss mantra is that nothing tastes as good as thin and healthy feels. I like that one the most because it, it helps focus and put things in perspective. Um, so you don't get, you know, totally f- tricked by the flavor of food. Flavor of food is good, okay? But when you zoom out and look at the big picture, um, that flavor does not make up for the joy and the pleasure of living a life where you're truly happy with your weight, how you look, how you feel, um, you know, and hopefully your longevity. Um, Barbara says, I have such a sweet tooth. Would it be better to stick with it? Oh, wait. Would it be better to stick with, for example, yogurt that has sugar? Um Okay, two things here, Barbara. I think the first thing I would do, if you have a sweet tooth, what a lot of people do is they're all or nothing, right? And so it's like, well, I have a sweet tooth, so uh, I got to stop eating sugar and eat healthy. And they link the two together. So the first thing I do, if you're doing that, is unlink those. Silo your eating, meaning um, continue to eat the same amount of sugar you're eating, but just start to eat more nourishing foods. Start putting more good nourishment into your body and still eat the same amount of sugar. What that's going to do is it's going to nourish you. It's going to help you think clear. It's going to help you feel better. And from that place, you'll probably start to realize, I don't want to put all this sugar in my body. Okay? If you're really ambitious, you can put the good food in your body and work to reduce the sugar. Uh, Do you have to get rid of all of it completely? Well, that's up for you to decide. But again, I would focus first on putting good food into my body. That would be my first number one thing. If you're really motivated, I'd work on reducing sugar. I wouldn't Cut it out completely. I know some people say, well, if I get rid of all of it, then I wanted the sugar cravings. And there's some truth to that. But again, there's the three R's of weight loss. There's reduce, replace, remove. Removes the fastest results, but it's the hardest one to do. You also got reduce and replace. You say, well, I want to do it, Jim. I'm going to remove it. Fine, remove it. But if you can't remove it, if you get to the end of the week and you're still eating sugar, then open yourself up to these two other options. The idea that we're all or nothing is is stupid. It's, it's not a... It's not a it never makes anyone look intelligent when they're failing with an all or nothing strategy, but then at the same time being real, like, um, I don't know, like what's the word? Just so positive about the all or nothing. You're welcome, Barbara. Yeah. Yeah. But be again, it's not all or nothing. Just see where you're at and be better. Again, program yourself thin, thin is built around the program yourself thin is built around the 1% better a day strategy. So instead of trying to make everything better all at once, instead, we're looking at 1% better every day. And if you consistently get 1% better each and every day, by the end of the year, you're not 365% better. You're exponentially better. All right, it's a much better strategy. So, all right, everyone, I got to get out of here. I hope you all have a super day and uh, are getting ready for the, the week. And I hope you get some days off and get to eat some good food and get to see some people you love. So uh, I will maybe be here tomorrow. Maybe we'll see. We'll see where I'm at. Um, But I hope you have a great time if I don't see you, and uh, we'll talk soon. Bye, everyone.